Like us on facebook.com slash sinmedia. Follow us on Twitter at sinmedia. And come visit us at syn.org.au. We're here talking about some of our highlights and possibly some improvements that the Artlands Festival could make. My personal highlight of this experience has been the cultural pharmacy. You would go in, you would make a cardboard flower and then deliver it to this distillery. And then from that, you would get a personalised prescription of an activity that you could do. For example, go to the movies or go to the art gallery. And it was this fantastic little idea that culture is something that you develop and you make and you have to work on. And it's not something that you can just go out and achieve instantly. And it was a fantastic message that I believe was great to bring into Bendigo. We did a lot of things and they were all really fun, the cultural pharmacy especially. However, we would like to see some more hands-on things that you can get involved with and some more younger speakers. There's so many art pieces around that you won't be able to see anywhere else. Personally, I've really enjoyed the variety here at Artlands. It's, it ranges from stuff like musical performances to art exhibitions to talk shows and panels. It's got so many people with different stories to tell from a lady about feminism to a group about making art in rural towns in Australia. Um, if you go down to Rosie Park there's all these different bands playing and there's such a variety from classical music to more modern and contemporary. Um, first question, how did you guys first get into creating art? I think Helen had better answer that. Oh, well, being the artist amongst us. <laughs> well, for me, I, I was working as a farm labourer in England and I started painting and I decided, I went and saw some art in a gallery in Paris and it was so inspiring. I came back to Australia to go to art school. So I studied painting in Melbourne. I did a degree in painting and I've been studying on and off and making art for 30 years since. If you could do anything other than your current career, what would it be? Answer that, Phil. Fly a helicopter. Would you? Yeah. Why? Oh, just the adrenaline rush. You must have flown something by now. No. Not saying you're old. No, no. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I've I've had a chance to fly a plane. Have you? I've jumped out of one. Um, So, what what would you guys give advice to um, for any young artists out there? Follow your heart and and Mm. keep keep going. It's going to be disheartening, so I can't say don't, don't be disheartened, but it's worth it because you're the voice we need, so keep using it. There's a whole lot of ways that um, you can contribute to making an artwork. And plus with blackface, it, as you know, it's been on the news recently and, and we just thought what, what better the thing to do is do some art to sort of get revenge back on it. Sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that what I didn't... We talking about revenge, Louis. Oh no! <laughs> so you guys said how you've been commissioned to create art at places like, for example, White Night and stuff. Is there any place in particular you'd like to be commissioned? I can think of about three thousand places I'd like to be commissioned. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the good thing about the fellas is that the fellas just take little steps, step by step, and when offers come in, they assess them, and uh, every time is an adventure, yeah. uh, from little paintings to gigantic projections for White Knight. Everything has a, a meaning and a purpose and uh, a pleasure, really. Um, out of all the art pieces that you guys have created, is there any in particular that really stand out, one of your favourites? I like the Aboriginal dog. I like the colour, the brightness of it and the meaning. What? Yeah, the early paintings have got a, uh, a real vibrancy about them, haven't they? Yeah. 
but then when you get to blackface to because of who we can you know there's a there's a, a big big story behind those paintings and that's something I always look back at you know looking at them now and think about how they were made why they were made and um, you know that they still work really well now as the theme of this keynote was to take risks in art, is it better to take risks and potentially fail or to keep it safe? Well, absolutely you should take risks. Um, back when I was an artist and a circus performer, um, taking risks was actually your job and the, the more frightening it looked, um, the more you got paid, um, which, was, which was fantastic. But oftentimes things look risky, but you've taken care of it behind the scenes. So actually it's, it's quite safe. Um, if, if you were to not take risks, I think life would be very boring. What creative risks do you take with any project? Look, sometimes a risk can be uh, uh, having an artist that you really believe in but is untested in either that kind of work or that kind of topic. Um, and bringing together the right team to support them. So, for example, um, before I left Legs on the Wall, uh, we put together a show that's just premiered at the Brisbane International Festival, and that was with um, a lead um, Indigenous artist who had not put on a show of this nature, and we made sure that there were supports around them to do that because it's very important for um, the integrity of the story that it's told by Indigenous people. I suppose for me, most most recently, um, I selected one artist um, pretty much because I saw one drawing that they did and I thought that was a beautiful drawing and they hadn't really done much else. But I sort of did a bit more exploring and decided to allocate this one artist a particular size budget that really allowed this artist to create a whole new body of work and she didn't even end up doing any drawings. It was a completely different project, completely installational, um, that has blown me out. So that is a risk I took and it's a risk that paid off. Um, it doesn't always pay off, but it's, it's something that I'm pretty proud of now. Did you have a plan B for your career? And if so, what was it? <laughs> In a short answer, no. And I think if I did have a plan B, then I probably would have run to it very quickly. So uh, the kind of all-in mentality has served me well in terms of my longevity. I studied at the VCA in Melbourne and um, in my year group, we graduated 22 people and within about two years of that graduating class leaving university, I think there was only five of us still dancing and now I think there's maybe four of us from that year that actually were crazy enough to commit to it so hard that it became our reality. But it, I mean, my form of contemporary experimental dance is very much on the bottom of the food chain in terms of like Maslow's hierarchy of arts. Um, <laughs> which is not a thing. I just I made that up. Um, so, no. Um, I think I attempted many plan Bs. I also am a trained librarian and a trained youth worker. And I still think I'm a youth worker and a librarian and a curator and a producer and all those things. Um, but And I think the reason I am those things is because I think the the reality and the economy of the arts um, expects a huge amount of work for free in your initial stages, um, which is obviously deeply complicated financially, but also exhausting emotionally, especially when you have mental health on top of that. That's so true. I, I suppose like 
maybe this kind of art space is my plan B. Or I, I started doing engineering and architecture when I first left uni, but quick, right, you flipped the other. Yeah, one. very quickly discovered that that was not going to be possible for lots of different reasons. Um, yeah, and I just kind of kept on finding myself, kind of just continuing on this path, and yeah, like it was sort of the place where I felt comfortable and. I don't know, safe is not the right word, but like I, I felt like I could express myself and kind of filter through being in the world, being a human in the world. It's a pretty strange thing. Thank you so much, Frankie, Britt and Holly for chatting with us today. It's been a really eye-opening experience. Sorry, this is mainly a question for Helen, but you mentioned earlier at the keynote that you go to Italy for mosaic tours. What interests you about them? Well, I lead them. So um, I've been making mosaics for about 25 years or so, and it's a very misunderstood art form, which really, in the way that I practice it, was started by the Greeks and then the Romans adapted it. And there are just a lot of really interesting places to go, and there's also some practitioners there who teach techniques and methods that are not taught here in Australia. So I take um, small groups on a, of people on a pra practical two-week tour so, and anyway, the food's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one's sort of directed at all three of you. Um, what medium of art is your favourite? For me, oh, sorry, Phil, you go. Sculptures, not a medium. I guess, I guess mine is too, in a way, but we've got a sculpture show opening at Lot 19 <laughs> on Saturday. Um, this Saturday. But uh, for me, it's, it's not about the medium, it's about the voice in there. You know, I need, I need explanations, I need... Um, direction and, and I get a lot of that from engaging with art and with artists so yeah I think it's about the idea that sits yeah. behind the work and um, certainly when I went to art school art school education was very you know medium specific so you went and studied painting or you studied sculpture or you studied printmaking or something like that and nowadays making art is about ideas the emphasis is more on ideas than mm. making a, a thing that's a this or a that um, you know, sculpture's fabulous because generally, you know, that implies it's three-dimensional and you can engage with it spatially, you know, and a drawing and a painting traditionally is flat, but these days drawings or paintings or sculptures could take any format. They could be a performance. I'd be asking you guys what you want. What do you want your town to look like? Good point, Roger. Ask the young people. Because you guys are the ones that are going to be enjoying it. Tom um, and I will be sitting in the nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned during the keynote that um, we don't do a very good job at making the communities and they're often boring, bland and beige. How would you personally make a community for the people, if you could? Well, I think art's a perfect way, you know. And art's just, art isn't... Well, art to me is not just about paintings and performances, but art's about food and culture and sounds and designs. It's a total package. So when you drive into a place, you know, you want to see some really creative artworks and sculptures and things like that. You know, the buildings that are built, you know, you want to see some design in it, some colour in it, you know, smells, sounds, everything, you know. And I think there's probably a lot of good examples around Australia, but uh, we were in Melbourne last night, for example, and uh, you look at some of the laneways that um, could could be just a, a dark, um, dingy laneway, and they they're buzzing with people. Um, there's art art on the walls, but there's also the um, other experiences there in terms of food and drink and entertainment. So, who would have thought uh, from our generation that you could look at an old, dirty laneway in Melbourne and make it one of the most creative and uh, and, and enjoyed spaces?
So it just takes a new way of thinking and a new way of looking at things. And that's where you young people, you've got great ideas. You're out there. So what has been the highlight of your career? The highlight of my career? Oh, this conference is giving it a bit of a run for its money. <laughs> uh, one of my favourite jobs, actually, or favourite things that I've ever done is be on the board of uh, Sin uh, Media, who's involved in um, completing this project, and getting a chance before that to be an executive producer and, and presenter on, on air. So I really like that one. That was, that was definitely, a, a, definitely a highlight for me as well. What about you, Jan? Um, being part of a renaissance within a small community <coughs> who 15 years ago was on its knees and who today are standing upright and marching into a yeah. very, very colourful future. If it comes down to the choice, not put in, making that art or putting on that play or uh, doing that gig, always choose putting it on. Always choose doing it. You know, art is about outcomes and about what we can tangibly see, hear, and feel. And you know, if you're if you're wondering or hedging your bets and thinking maybe I'll wait for this or maybe I'll wait for my peers to agree about something or maybe I'll wait for this grant, um, usually those uh, those encouragements or that money will never come. And so uh, you're at a at a great age where you can you've got energy and time to be able to put things into the world, which will lead you forward for the rest of your life. Um, why did you choose to become an artist? I don't know if I am. <laughs> I want to be. Um, but you, you, I can sort of... You can't really choose, I don't think. I, I mean, that's a good question, but it's what other people think of you. And, and then they might give you a label. So I sort of do something that I think is important. I want to make a contribution that I think is important and then raise people's awareness. And in the medium we're doing it, it's a bit of an art form. So that might be where you get that sort of label from but uh, whether I'm an artist or not whether I choose to be is, is really really what I am is I'm leading a direction towards greater knowledge and understanding of First Nations people and in that way what I'm doing it is, is a medium which might be considered an art form. You mentioned that you've rubbed shoulders with many big names in the social media world can you tell us who your favourite was? Um, can I say that um, some of them are stinky? Because <laughs> you know when you code a lot you don't really think about anything else but that and you've got, you know, when you really get into it I mean, if you're really immersed in something you don't get out in the public right? so I've met lots of people, I've met so many it's not funny, but I I just think they're normal people everybody goes, a big name, this big name, they're not all they are is us, they're you they're you at your age and they've gone on to do something great you've just got to have an idea and have the determination and drive to make it big and then after you've done something that's important, that you think is important and the community might embrace and feels important, then you grow that status, don't you? Thanks for listening. This is Sarah and Winnie from Bendigo Southeast College talking with Brett Levy, who has created virtual song lines. Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land, the House of Sin and Studios Stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country.